Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Dr. Simon, and uh, this is the traveling show, uh, Stories We Live By. Um, I suppose that if I kept it on one evening and did it very regularly, or did it more than one evening, um, it would increase my listenership. Uh, I don't know how people find uh, any show on this, on the uh, unless they browse the the, uh, the subscription, you know, browse the site, um, or they know when somebody uh, they like is on the air, and they uh, sign on to it uh, and listen. But that's not the way it's been working out for me. Uh, tonight became open. Um, I originally planned this for Wednesday, uh, but uh, we had suddenly had planned something we had to do involving uh, a relative who's ill, and so I moved it to tonight. Uh, ultimately, after a couple of weeks, the number of people who do find the show seems to be the same as any other night or any other time, uh, and even if I do it during the day, it seems to work out that way. So... Uh, I hope this finds you, and I hope when it finds you, or if it finds you, you find it, as always, enjoyable and uh, at the same time maybe helpful uh, for you in some way. I want to talk today about um, work and play. Uh, And again, there's always a background story to any topic I pick. Um, For a while now, I have been doing stories on... um, uh, uh, the way in which uh, we're affected by society, the way in which we're affected by different things, and how we end up living our lives. I've done a lot of work uh, on this and and in terms of my writing as well, on living in authoritarian versus democratic societies. Um, And this today's topic in many ways relates to that. Um, Let me define work and play, because we all work, we all play. Uh, For some of us, however, life turns into a lot of work uh, with very little play. And for those of us who might be lucky, life has a lot of play and not a lot of work. And that needs some explanation because most people, most of us think about work as a job that we go to and play uh, involving uh, our off time and, for example, playing games. uh, games um, can be hard work, and uh, work, or what we define as work or a job, can involve an awful lot of play. And uh, it is better to play than to work, and really that's, that's what the message of tonight is, and some of the things that uh, prevent us uh, from uh, playing uh, instead of working um, that are under our control, and I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, Work can be defined as any activity that's done for a goal outside of itself. In other words, any activity that's engaged in, that has a goal, that has a reason for existing, that's independent of the activity itself, is work. Play is any activity that's done for its own sake. And I want to explore this because it feels very, very differently to play and to work. 
Now, what's interesting is that uh, they're not antithetical concepts. Uh, if you have a job that you love and can't wait to get to work in the morning, or what you call work, and you enjoy the activity for itself, even though one of the main reasons you're doing it is for money, which is external to the activity, um, then you're playing as well as working. If you have a job that you only do to survive, uh, then you're working. And if there's no play involved in a job, it's very hard work indeed. And I want to talk about some of the manifestations, but there's a very important point here. Um, lately, there's been uh, a lot of stuff in the newspapers about uh, poverty and the number of people in the United States who are homeless, who are hungry, uh, which has risen in recent years, particularly when we had this terrible economic downturn, people who were unemployed, uh, and then people all over the world, uh, literally billion people at a time who are hungry. Whenever we're put in a position where we have to survive and we do things merely to survive, because we have to, and the situation that we find ourselves in requires us to survive, we're working. Because whatever activities we engage in, the goal is independent of the activity itself. Uh, if we do something uh, to survive because we have to make money, uh, soldiers go off to war. Uh, when soldiers are fighting, there's very little playtime when they're trying to survive, uh, avoid being killed, and having to kill somebody else. Uh, the goal is part of the activity, but it's not essential to the activity. Uh, money can be given to anybody for any reason, uh, but the activity itself, which allows us to get the money or to be paid, uh, can be anything. The money is the same. The amount may be different, but the money is the same regardless of that activity. But when we play, the activity itself becomes central. And it feels so different to play. Um, one of the, the uh, things that happens when we're struggling to survive is that often we feel miserable. Things feel dark. Time seems to move very, very slowly when we work at something, whether we're struggling to survive, whether we're trying to uh, whether we're trying to uh, uh, make money on a job that we don't like. Um, and again, uh, what, I, what, what, what I would like people to be aware of in this is that if you have a choice, let's say, between doing something that you love that pays less or doing something that you really find drudgery uh, but pays much more, and the money is not really, in either case, um, threatening your survival. The lesser amount gives you what you need. And I'm going to talk a little bit about later about the difference between wanting something and needing something. Um, take the activity, if there's a choice, that you love. Because to immerse yourself in a, some, an activity that you love and, and the activity itself is the goal. You can't wait to do this particular activity. You find it fun. You find it incredibly creative. You find 
that it's enjoyable, then the money which uh, may be necessary to survival or necessary for a variety of other things um, falls into the background. So you are working to the degree that you've chosen a particular activity because you're getting a reward that's extrinsic or external to the activity, but you're playing because the activity itself is the reward. It's reinforcing to do something that you enjoy uh, built into the activity itself. Oftentimes, life does not allow us to choose. Uh, if we're poor, uh, if we're struggling to survive because of an illness, um, then we have to do the work or we choose to do the work uh, without the fun. Uh, time becomes intolerable, and over long periods of time, um, it's painful. And, and the word I used uh, to introduce the show, it becomes miserable. Life becomes a misery. But oftentimes we do have a choice, but we don't know it because we're so immersed in the kind of authoritarian uh, relationships that define for us what's important, that we put aside those activities uh, that we love that allow us to express our, our, our uh, interest, our creativity, uh, because of some external definition that um, uh, is, is sort of foisted upon us, and we become unable or afraid to disagree with those authorities and, and go into something that we'll never enjoy and whatever rewards we get, they're external. Uh, I'm thinking as an example, uh, a young woman who was a friend of my daughter uh, at the point at which uh, she was graduating college, and um, I asked this young woman, uh, what was she thinking of going into? Was she going into uh, higher education? She was After graduation, she said she's going to law school. And I said, do you have an interest in law? Uh, and she sort of stared at me, and she said, no, I'm going into it because it pays really well, and I want to make a lot of money. Um, I, I asked her, uh, what would she really rather do? What would she enjoy? And at which point my daughter really started getting upset with me uh, because, as she put it later, you're playing psychologist, and I don't want you upsetting my friend. And certainly, if I was upsetting the friend, uh, it's not something I was doing, but an upset that was already inside of her. Um, that is, there was already a conflict that there were other activities. There were other ways she could earn a job, earn her living, where she wouldn't make as much money as a lawyer, uh, theoretically because I assume unless you can really enjoy being a lawyer in some way, you're going to do a miserable job of it. Uh, it's going to grind you down. The term that we uh, became popular some years ago was burnout. And burnout really occurs when a job becomes drudgery and becomes misery because the activity itself has no meaning. It has no value. Uh, there's no ability or willingness or way to create something that's your own, to make it your own, to define yourself in such a way that uh, this defines a life. 
that uh, you can lose yourself in. And uh, I'm sort of jumping around, but I want to talk about losing yourself. Because when you really lose yourself in an activity, you find yourself. Uh, it's a paradoxical kind of a statement, uh, and it sort of comes from many of the Eastern religions, particularly Buddhism, that um, if you're constantly looking at yourself in the mirror uh, because you don't think you look well enough or good enough or you're doing an activity for money or to prove something, uh, then, uh, then the activity itself uh, makes you constantly aware that you're doing it. And again, time slows down, uh, and your focus is not really on what you're doing, but on yourself doing it. Uh, one of the better examples of this is going to a movie in which you don't enjoy the movie, and you keep looking at your watch, uh, which is an awful thing to have to do, particularly on a job you go to every day. But you're looking at your watch, when is this movie going to be over? And you end up watching yourself watch the movie, just as you're watching yourself do your job, when you're watching the clock. Uh, when you play, whether you call it a job or a game, time goes very, very fast. And there is a feeling of freedom and the all-important emotion of joy takes over, particularly if you do this thing to the best of your ability and you realize you're learning to do it better and better as time goes by and the pleasure of doing it increases because of the increase in skill, because of the increase uh, uh, of, of uh, ability that brings about uh, a higher level of creativity and effectiveness in doing what you're doing, uh, and you lose yourself in the activity. You're not watching yourself do the activity. You are the activity itself. You are being the activity, whatever it happens to be. Um, some of us are lucky enough to find sex enjoyable and a joy. Um, Really fun sex, uh, uh, particularly immersed with somebody you care about, uh, produ produces a lifetime of creative joy. Uh, but many of us are taught that sex is wrong or sex is only for procreation. And when the goal of sex uh, is something external to the sexual activity itself, it becomes work. Um, uh, anybody who has ever tried to uh, uh, have a baby and the pregnancy doesn't come and suddenly it's doctors and, and, and pills and potions uh, taking temperature uh, and having sex and trying to have sex at the right moment of ovulation, uh, which is understandable and which is necessary to the goal of having the child. Um, can turn sex, at least for that period of time, or for sometimes long periods of time, into a kind of joyless drudge. Uh, it may feel good at moments physically, uh, but when you're aware of what you are doing and not losing yourself in the activity, even sex can become work and hard work. There are so many elements to this. Uh, to this. Um, I've mentioned in the past in some of my shows uh, that um, uh, I've taken up golf. 
And I have days where golf is pure joy, pure pleasure. And, and let me backtrack for a second. Joy is not the same as happiness. You can feel happy in a variety of ways, but joy is something that you can't make happen. It comes upon us uh, when we are involved in something we find a creative and effective and which we've lost ourselves uh, for short or longer periods of time. Uh, I've mentioned in other shows Abraham Maslow's notion of a hierarchy of needs. And he said joy uh, is the result of self-actualization, uh, where we're doing something really well, but we're immersed in it. We are the activity, whether it's a golf game, whether it's sex, or whether it's a job we really enjoy. Um, some of the luckiest people I know are uh, athletes who really love what they're doing and then are highly paid for it. I'm flabbergasted when I hear that somebody who I watched play uh, a round of golf uh, and won $3 million for it seemed to be an absolute pleasure, absolute uh, 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 immersed in the game, in the, in the zone, as we would say. And they are playing without any awareness at that moment that they're working uh, and, and having uh, the time of their life. And uh, because sports are so important in our society and advertisers will put up a lot of money for us uh, to watch their advertisement while we're enjoying uh, a, a, a game that we find uh, pleasurable um, and immerse ourselves in it, and lose ourselves in it, and find ourselves cheering, and find ourselves uh, elated and excited. Um, uh, lucky indeed. Lucky indeed. On the other hand, uh, when I play golf, and it's pleasurable, other times I'm worried about my handicap, or I'm worried about what other people will think if I start messing up my game. And then I start to think about, th this makes no sense. You know, I'm in my 70s. Uh, why would I care what other people think? Uh, and I realize this is something left over from a much earlier time of life that hasn't been uh, effectively worked through. Uh, most of the people I play golf with are struggling, like myself, to do better. But the more we struggle with the notion of our score uh, or what other people think, and this is true of any aspect of our living, uh, when it's trying to impress others, uh, it becomes work because impressing others has nothing to do with the activity itself. You can try to impress others in every aspect of your life. Uh, so sometimes I really annoy myself that I'm not enjoying a round of golf uh, or whatever it happens to be because at my age, I'm 73, in fact, now past 73 and a half, uh, I start to measure time this way. Um, and I said this to somebody who agreed with me today, uh, a patient that I see in a nursing home, wonderfully bright lady. Um, uh, I take every game I play, most of my activities, uh, as the possibly the last time I'm ever going to do it. And to me, it's a wonderful feeling and a wonderful attitude. Uh, for many of the people I know, it gets very upset when I say that, something you shouldn't be saying because it suggests you're going to die. 
And the fact of the matter is, uh, I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And I want to appreciate life and my activities for their own sake uh, while I'm alive, because that's exactly the point of my discussion tonight. When you play and immerse yourself in an activity and feel the joy of it and the pleasure of it, you feel alive. When you lose yourself in the moment, you are uh, uh, at the best point emotionally. When you lose yourself, you find yourself, and you find yourself experiencing uh, the pleasure of that particular moment. It's a tragedy when somebody, because of illness or because of poverty or because of oppression, uh, can't experience what I'm talking about. In some ways, it's even more of a tragedy uh, if we're raised in a way we're impressing others, making large sums of money, uh, being better than others becomes the goal of our life, which is what happens in authoritarian systems. Uh, when we're raised to be obedient, to please others, uh, and avoid any criticism or rejection, or any sense that we're powerless uh, and, and not in control of others, life becomes such a misery of really, really hard work. And in some ways, that's a bigger tragedy uh, because we did have a choice and we do have a choice. And sometimes we really do know we have the choice, but we can't see a way of, of walking away from those situations and from those people who define us in a, in a way that um, don't allow us to feel that really wonderful feeling of fully alive, fully being there in the situation uh, and hoping it will never end. So uh, I try to make each game uh, a, a, an enjoyable experience, and sometimes I succeed, and often I don't. And I feel, gee, I've wasted another uh, moment that could have been the, la the last time I'm ever going to do it. I could wake up tomorrow and and have an illness, I could wake up tomorrow, uh, and, and the pain in my neck could be so great uh, that there's nothing I can do to stop it, and I won't be able to play. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's so clear when you sit outside of this situation, but when you're immersed in it, uh, very hard to, to, uh, uh, to understand what you've been caught up in. And uh, when you sit outside and you own this perception, you suddenly find you have choices. And, and uh, to act on those choices and to do the thing in a way that you love, that you're good at, that you enjoy for the pleasure of being alive and of being in the moment uh, is a wonderful uh, decision to have made. Let me talk a little about some of the things, again, that, that take choice away from us uh, other than tragedy or oppression. Uh, I've been critical uh, of our educational system. Uh, and when I talked about this in school, when I was teaching, I was called nuts. Uh, what kind of crazy ideas that you have? Uh, because this really, what I'm saying, threatens the, most of the educational system. 
Um, I was watching uh, a show today on television, a, a documentary on Stephen Sondheim, this wonderful uh, playwright and uh, composer, uh, has done musicals. A lot of his stuff I find very cerebral and don't quite enjoy it uh, as much as some of his others, but he has played Sunday in the Park with George, which in this documentary he said was actually his own favorite or company. Uh, where they're intellectually clever, but, but you, you, you lose yourself in the play. Uh, the music sometimes is good, and the words are often genius. Uh, I find him a poet, uh, and his insights and his sensitivities uh, carry me away. Um, he said the goal of education, because he believes that he is a teacher, uh, and he always uh, takes on um, and does spend a lot of his time trying to teach others, uh, as he was taught, uh, and, and one of his teachers apparently was a real mentor to him uh, and someone helped him survive uh, financially and physically, was Oscar Hammerstein, who was the, uh, the, the book author and the uh, wordsmith for uh, uh, Richard Rogers in such shows as Carousel and uh, The Sound of Music and uh, Oklahoma and uh, South Pacific and other really wonderful transporting uh, uh, vehicles uh, of music and art uh, on Broadway or the movies. Um, the goal of education, he said, is to arouse curiosity. And I, I just cheered. I, I feel wonderful by that definition. The problem is that that's not what the goal of education often is. Uh, often I see the goal of education is to create a submissive individual uh, who does what the power brokers of society think that should be done, find himself a place in a hierarchy, in a job in which the struggle is to make more money than your neighbor, to show that you're better, to show that you have better toys, more expensive toys, uh, all of the commercialism and materialism that defines the corporate mentality that has taken over our political parties, uh, that has really sucking the air and the light and the humanism out of our society. And um, uh, the whole goal of, of, of uh, education is so often to prove your worthiness by grades. Your grades become uh, paramount and more important uh, than uh, anything you might learn. And as the years went by and my teaching, and I became more aware of this as a, as a teacher, uh, I began to experiment more and more to see if I could help my students become aware of this uh, and then find ways in my teaching to help them at least in a course or two escape from that whole hierarchical model uh, where, as one student put it, uh, I am my grades. I'm defined by my grades. That, that is the, the reason. Or as it went on in my, my experience, I kept hearing, uh, I want a degree. I need a degree. Society uh, will judge me by my degree. Society will judge me by the degree that I get from a particular school. So what I know and who I am and the kind of person I am as a human being uh, are submerged and really not important 
what's important is the degree. Um, you can almost buy degrees on the, on, on the Internet now uh, because of what you want is a degree and the ed- educational aspects and the joy of learning and being curious uh, play no role in your life. Uh, then uh, Einstein put it, you're as good as dead. You're really as good as dead. And for so many of us, and so much of my own upbringing and my own schooling, uh, school was deadly. It was deadly. Um, Every once in a while, I had a teacher for whom teaching was joy. It was pure joy. And... uh, the, the grade was there, the tests were there, but they were secondary to the in, being enthralled by, by watching somebody uh, draw me in and draw my fellow students in to a body of ideas. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of a chemistry teacher I had in high school, a fellow by the name of Sam Troik, who every year was offered another principalship and turned it down because his place and his pleasure was as a teacher in a classroom. Uh, so often, it, that doesn't exist. It's just a drudge to get grades. Do you like the subject? No. Does it mean anything? No. I've said this before on the air, um, uh, and it's gotten worse since I've retired. Tests, 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 and more tests. Measure the individual by a test, by a standardized test. Uh, end up with a number, and everything else submerged, uh, so that there's nothing but anxiety and fear—fear fear of rejection, fear of being held back, fear that you're going to be told uh, that you're a failure in life, that you're nobody, that you're nothing, that you don't matter. Uh, something I've discussed again a number of times in my shows, to feel that you don't matter uh, is as awful a feeling as can possibly exist. We have to feel we do matter, that we make a difference. Or as the person I mentioned in the nursing home today, she says, I'm no longer a participant, and I desperately miss being a participant in my own life. Not sitting with your hands folded or desperately trying to take notes uh, for something that you're not interested in because you're pursuing uh, uh, something in life that is alien to you. Now, I know I sound idealistic when I say this, but it's so realistic to me, particularly in hindsight. Uh, I mentioned once before, a number of times before, standing at the door watching my students take a test. The door was open. And two of the students that had finished the test early, young ladies, were standing outside, and one saying to the other, I just can't get this shit. And then they go, apologetic, I'm sorry, I don't mean... I said, no, no, if that's what you experience this to be, if that is your experience, it's shit, then how could you learn it? I mean, it's like, you know, eating shit. It's like trying to swallow somebody's feces. Uh... Many professors under those circumstances, and myself as well when I was younger, would have been outraged. This is gold. This is, this is pure gold. And for me, it is gold. For me, it is. I loved my psychology. I loved my field. I loved the ideas in it, uh, uh, even if many of them are kind of trashy and, and superficial uh, because they are working towards 
proving that psychology is a science like physics rather than uh, dealing with the subject matter of what human beings are and how they experience life in terms of the stories they tell and how those stories get shaped and played out. And one of them, in a conversation, in a series of conversations that I had with her in my office, uh, in my office hours, was, what do you want? And uh, she wanted to be a beautician. And uh, she was told by her parents, it's not what you do. Uh, we want you to go to college. We want you to get a degree. Uh, she became a beautician. I don't know what happened to her afterwards, but... The joy on her face when she made the decision and got her parents to back her to, to go to beauty school and continue taking courses. There were compromises made. That was perfectly okay. But, but try out what you really like that you feel creative about. And I felt very good as a teacher. Not good that when students are, are, are struggling to get grades uh, that are so external to any material that uh, it's, a, it's desperate and, and desperate to, to study. How often I remember looking at a page of a textbook I hated to study for a course and finding that I could read it 30 times and still not remember anything in it. Force yourself to do something. It's like forcing yourself to eat food that you despise or take medicine. It's so much of school becomes medicine, a kind of a medicine that's supposedly good for you. Uh, I used to play around and got me in all kinds of controversy uh, towards the end of my career where it um, uh, came upon me uh, one day to ask my students to answer a question. It really started with this, that the earth has been taken over by an alien species, very topical, but this is a kind of benign a benign uh, uh, invasion, and uh, what we're told is that we have to set up our schools for everyone. They have to be free all the way through, and anybody could take any courses they want for as long as they want. Um, teachers will be well paid. Society will have to cough up the money because teachers next to parents uh, are the most important people in children's lives. Um, they are, as Stephen Sondheim said in his documentary, they are involved, they're sacred, they're involved in sacred, uh, in sacred work. Um, uh, but teachers cannot give grades and the schools cannot confer degrees. Okay? So you can take anything you want for as long as you want. It's free um, by well-paid, happy teachers uh, who don't have to give grades, who can't give grades. And what would you do? What would you do? And 90% of my students, over the years I would pose this question to them, said, I'd leave school right away. Okay? I didn't argue with them. I stopped doing that many years before I retired. No point in arguing. The only reason they found themselves at college was because it was mandated but because it was medicine that was good for them, it was not something they wanted to do for itself. And we were participants in making sure 
that it was not fun and that it was really not enjoyable. I took away grades from certain classes. I really did. I made attendance optional. And students who could give themselves a grade, although I just didn't give a cheap grade, I gave assignments, papers, stopped giving tests in these classes, uh, and I, they had to write papers, um, sometimes of their own choice, from, from you know topics we had discussed. Uh, I was still the authority in the room, but hopefully as non-authoritarian as possible, and they would write papers, and I would tell them what I thought of the papers and give a grade to the paper, and then tell them grade the grade they wanted to take. And what was interesting to watch the conflict with these young people, uh, some of them, the ones who came to class even when they didn't have to, who started to thoroughly enjoy themselves and love the material in psychology uh, for itself. Um, these kids uh, struggled, and most of them accepted me as the authority and took the grade that they were uh, offered. Uh, others who didn't come to class would smirk and say, ah, a free A. And I would try to discuss with them, what do they think this is really worth? What is it worth? Sometimes I would reach a few, but other times, no. Now, I didn't do this on a wide scale. I probably would have been brought up on charges if I did. But it was something I felt was so important that I give up the authority to define for a student how well he or she is doing and confer that responsibility on them. Because that's what the joy of freedom brings. It brings you to an awareness that you are your own judge. And because you're involved in an activity and want to do better, you want to improve it. You want to look at those who do the activity really well and hold yourself to their standard. Not because you have to or because you're trying to prove how worthy you are or good you are, but because the joy increases in the activity the better you do it. So I marvel at the golf I saw last week between Zach Johnson and Tiger Woods. Marvel. I know I won't be there. And nobody has to grade me. No. To tell me how well or poorly I'm doing. I see the standard. I experience it for myself. Why should school be different? Education should not be different. We should learn to grade ourselves. And the only reason we don't grade ourselves fairly is either because we feel so damaged by what we do and we can't get a clear perspective on it, on, on, on how good or bad we are, or because the activity exists as a drudgery work to impress the teacher, to make our parents happy, to go into a direction in which we'll make the most amount of money regardless of how we have to make it. And that's sad. And that's tragic. Uh, I've said many times I think our society is in very, very serious trouble. And as we become more conservative and more vicious to each other, 
uh, as the poor are punished more and more by the rich uh, who see the poor as innately inferior and therefore incapable of doing better and therefore should not be offered a helping hand, should not be have doors held open for them uh, so that with their own hard work they can work through it, walk through those doors. Uh, as, as this increases and our society becomes more closed and, and the hostility between the political parties and between the rich and the poor increases, uh, our society becomes sadder and duller and more gray. Uh, and all of the serious problems that we could joyfully tackle and use our creative intelligence to solve uh, go un untouched. Uh, the planet continues to cook. The weather becomes increasingly more bizarre. And all we can do as a society is pretend it's not happening. So, I think I've said enough for tonight. Um, I'm on my diet. And tonight, I, I, tomorrow morning, I, I have my weigh-in, my, my uh, Weight Watchers weigh-in, which I do at home and record online. Uh, and uh, I decided tonight that uh, I deserved, after a hard week of not eating all the food I want, to uh, give myself a really good dessert. I have a delicious-looking uh, pumpkin pie. Get in the season here. And I'm going to make a cup of tea and have a nice piece of pie and enjoy the rest of my evening. And uh, uh, I kind of enjoyed doing this show. And I hope uh, enough of you find it and will enjoy it for yourselves. I don't know when I'll be back on the air. Uh, I'm not sure I have a thought in my head about what to do next week. Um, uh, and the week after, my uh, kids are coming down for uh, Christmas week, so I definitely won't do a show then. So possibly the next show uh, is going to be in the uh, new year. 2014, uh, hopefully uh, a better year than this year, although I have no great faith it will be unless uh, we begin to make it so. So uh, have a, a joyful evening uh, or a joyful day or, or whenever you hear this, and uh, you can call me at, uh, uh, or send me a message uh, at Larry Sidock at... Uh, 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 gmail.com or send me a message uh, on uh, this site on Blog Talk Radio and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, suggest a topic if you want that uh, you might find interesting and profitable to explore with me on the air. And uh, good luck, good night, and take care. <laughs>